0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today.
1: So, once again, no smoking in this theater.
0: Mm. Oh, Jesus, you started recording. I have a, I'm wearing, I don't know what it is. It's just like my, uh, maybe I need a new desk chair. Like, it's just like slightly rolling back constantly. And that mixed with, like, the shorts I'm wearing is just making for, like, the most uncomfortable.
2: Got
1: some, some balls. Stuff. Five
2: inch inseam no, shorts. No,
0: not what kind of shorts like that, Jason. Just generally uncomfortable. You don't gotta try and air out my my dirty laundry balls? on the pod. I guess. Literally, not really. Mm. No, no. There's 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 a dirty laundry. There's something actually funny there. I just I don't know what it is. So, so maybe <laughs> listeners at home can. <laughs>
1: Choose your own out. adventure. <laughs> Choose your own adventure on talking about Aaron's, uh, Aaron's balls. His no, nope, not sw- talking about swish, that. Not discussing um, that. It's you just... know, you know what? Some laundry uh, that does need aired out. It's a certain sack containing a certain head um, at the center mm-hmm. of the movie we're talking about today. Thank you very much for listening to Trial Love. It's a literal roundtable podcast. I still have gum in my mouth. I am all turned around. It's a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the trial and cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trial Love Podcast. You can find the trial line at Trial and Cinema and at Trial uh, you can, or I'm so sorry. My name is Jason Daphnis. Uh, I'm a bigger schmuck than I look like, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Lately, I've become a basketball nut. I'm Cody and You can find me on Twitter at Cody
2: underscore BH.
3: I can smell shit a hundred miles away and sometimes closer. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. My name is Aaron,
0: and you pack a lunch. We're going on a picnic. Folk, it's, it's folks, it's 75 degrees in Chicago. Uh, If you want to find me, don't find me on Twitter. Find me outside at a park somewhere.
1: On your bike, drinking beers. Uh, somebody That's called exactly the on right. this man. Uh, Not it, drinking a beer on the bike. Drinking beers but, on the bike. Uh, if you're yeah. interested in more thoughts about the movie we're about to talk about today, uh, head to Parisphere.org for writing from both Sophie Durbin and Lucas Hardwick on the Trilons blog. I'm going to try and plug that up front more often. You can find links to the, in the show notes to the discussions and uh, and and sort of essays that are written there about the movies, um, including the one that we're talking about today, which Aaron is going to give us a quick, concise, and fun intro about uh, now.
0: Very concise today, actually. We are talking about Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, 1974 film directed by Sam Peckinpah, uh, stars Warren Oates as Benny, a uh, former member of the U.S. Army, who now spends his time kind of wasting away uh, playing a piano at a bar in Mexico City. Um, he is hired to track down a man that he kind of knew, friend of a friend situation, uh, named Alfredo Garcia, whose head... Uh, with a bounty of $1 million, is wanted after uh, Garcia impregnated the daughter of a powerful Mexican crime boss known as El Jefe. Uh, Benny learns from his girlfriend Elita, played by Isela Vega, uh, that Garcia died in a car accident just a few days ago, and so the two travel together uh, to uh, Garcia's grave so that Benny can retrieve the head and earn the bounty. Uh, Released to Extremely negative reviews. Uh, the film has nevertheless gone on to be remembered as a classic, if a slightly under, uh, kind of, underseen and appreciated classic of the neo Western genre. That's what I got.
1: And I'm glad you got it for us, Aaron. Um, The first yeah. time I saw this movie was at the Trial Line. It was one of the few movies that sort of sold me on going to the Trial Line more regularly. I believe it was 2018. Correct me if I'm wrong, Harry. I believe it was 2018 that we visited. Uh, it was before this podcast ever started, but it was one of those dry runs for me. I don't think I'd seen a peck and pie. I believe i had caught bits and pieces of straw dogs on like a TCM edit once upon a time. But just for context, it was the first peck and pie I remember seeing in full. Uh, it was quite like, I don't think I had the vocabulary then to talk about movies the way I like try to now just through again the accretion of knowledge through this podcast alone uh, has sort of helped me um, vo- verbalize some of what I think about movies I think it's only grown in my estimation since then I remember being floored by it then but not really being able to explain why and just the long discussions we had about it were one of the reasons that um, that we thought about generating this podcast uh, but having like having had Harry there for both screenings that I've been to for this movie because I didn't watch it in the inter- intervening four or five years here um, I want to know like did the same thing happen for you did it Growing your estimation? Did you come to like it more this time? It was did it did you cool a little bit on it? What happened?
3: Uh, first of all, I just have to say the idea of a TV edit of straw
1: dogs is hilarious. I love it that
3: 15-minute-long was... movie <laughs> that you got to watch on television.
1: Um It was it was just the star power of Dustin Hoffman was the only thing it going. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. Uh yes, I um I Kelly came along this time for this viewing, and um afterward, I think I said to her, like, I think my um Exact quote was like, "Unfortunately, I think this movie is a masterpiece." Right, because it's like it's kind of one of those movies where like I really wouldn't begrudge somebody hating this. I it's certainly reprehensible at times, yeah. Don't uh, I don't begrudge the negative contemporary reviews, um, but I'm blown away by this movie. Um, I was the first time I saw it, like you said, Jason. I think I like it even more now. Kind of like, especially post Wild Bunch. Um, I think that like understanding what this movie is doing with like whiteness and the history of American imperialism and, uh, the Western genre in general, um, creates like, I think this is a really dense movie, surprisingly right for, for being a movie that is also so like emotional and brutal and bleak, um, and sort of feelings forward as this one is, um, so yeah, I think I was really blown away by it. I think in particular this time, um, having seen so many more movies, I I was really taken aback by the affect of this movie, where like it is such an em- a emotionally pitched movie from like start to finish. Sorry about that, Emma. My uh, Discord notification just went off. She she got our asses really bad for that when she was on. Um, I just turned it off. Um, it's like I I think I said this to you, Cody, during the screening. It like it reminds me of Vertigo right like not only in terms of like it's um like its themes of course about obsession and the toxic masculinity but also just like in terms of like emotional pitch and affect it's like such a like um like ramped up movie right from the start right like it's so um hard it goes so hard and uh i think i i just really appreciate it on that level as well. So I just, you know, like I said, I think that especially the way it deals with uh with women, there's a lot to be said about that. I think that uh your mileage may vary and I would not begrudge anybody sort of like disliking it or pecking paw on that level, but for me personally, I think it's like uh an absolute uh masterpiece of the genre personally.
0: I uh kind of very selfish request from me here. I would love to get sold on this film because I I watched it first time watching it um i, I kind of have a I, I am like in the orbit of both of your experiences watching this at like the trial on years ago and that i have heard you guys talk about watching this at the trial on years we ago do for you
1: name drop this movie a ton don't we?
0: i do, i don't know what it is but abs this was absolutely a film where i checked the schedule and i was like oh yeah we're doing that in a few weeks and i was like oh hell yeah i've been hearing about this movie for years now um i don't i i I liked it. I dug it, I think, quite a bit less than something like The Wild Bunch. Um, And I I think there is maybe, maybe this is a classic case of just by the end of this episode, I'll I'll think it's a masterpiece or whatever. I thought it was good, but I do feel like I'm missing something here. I think it's like kind of a case of um, maybe just like not like built up expectations, but kind of wrong expectations. I think coming from hearing you guys talk about this film. Uh, watching The Wild Bunch, and then the other impressions of this movie being the title of the film, which is fucking badass, right? And then the poster for the film, which is also the most badass movie poster. Oh yeah, the clenched
1: fist with the locket? That thing rocks. Um,
0: And I I found a lot to like here, but but I think maybe I was just kind of expecting something else. Um, I will say that I do think that there are a lot of a lot of components of this film that I find quite fascinating or like in other bits of media, I find to be some of the themes here that that the film is working with are like themes that I like usually instantly click with. I think that like, like the idea of like Mexico um, and this is usually done a little better by like Mexican artists per se, but like the theme of like Mexico being this kind of nucleus that these like uh, uh, kind of, colonialist or like imperialist forces kind of like navigate around right. and like and center that, that around. And that has I been so like,
3: despoiled by those competing forces and powers, right? It's like yes, really... exactly. A, yeah,
0: Just white men in suits kind of in the background kind of coming in. I think that like um, I mean, we were kind of unrelated in a group chat talking about like Roberto Bellano like, like a day ago. I think like his work like is like so often focused on that. Um, I think that like something like the Wild Bunch does that as well too. Um, I would love to be sold on this film because I think that like the film is probably doing a lot of interesting stuff with those kind of ideas. I just am not able to like coherently square it in my mind, so maybe we'll see where I end up in forty minutes.
1: What do you think of the pieces that aren't real? Before we get there, I want to give Cody a little bit of time because we've all kind of put our top of head thoughts off of the, off the dome here. Um, where did you come in for this movie, Cody? You said you watched it a, a little while ago on Blu-ray, right? You weren't with us for the original screening we're talking about, but.
2: Right, right. I was busy that day uh, yeah. or whatever the case was. Um, no, I'm I'm just kidding. I probably was busy, but yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray a couple of years ago um, within my own home, obviously huge, hugely different atmosphere watching it on 35 with the, uh, the trial on faithful, not as many faithful as I would want in a screening like that, that theater uh, had, had a lot of empty seats, which is very regrettable, but um, not too much shade being thrown just a little bit. No. Uh, so different environment. And I think what, carried me through, not that I needed to be carried through the film the first time around, but especially as it's been gestured at, like this movie getting name dropped a lot by those of us here who did see it at the trial on originally, and just having that as something to look forward to. I think the the promise in the sort of like surface level peripherals of like the advertising of the movie and just like what was, and just from uh, anecdotes about watching this movie, I was looking forward to edge of my seat, looking forward to like the action pack sequences and the bloodiness and the griminess of it all. And that's sort of coloring my initial view of it. And I, and I really liked it the first time I saw it. I really liked it the second time I saw it too. Um, But like coming back to it, it was Less, um, like action packed is just like a dumb generic phrase that I'll drop just for convenience, but it was like less action packed than I remember it being. And I gravitated a, a lot more the second time around towards the, the sort of textual elements that y'all have already characterized. And also the fact that it is, that this is a movie that spends again, like more time than I remember in the first half, kind of setting the stage for this, um, this man with this kind of grand opportunity to change his life, uh, and his love and his fortune. And then right around the midway point, this sort of connecting thread of, you know, he shares it with his partner and he, like, it becomes abundantly clear once he starts to vocalize and think about it more and more pragmatic terms of like, Oh, in order to do this thing, like he will need to become a different person. And then Reality sets in, struck, you know, Peck and Pause, uh, like, uh, overarching structures begin to set in and kind of throw their weight around and, um, becomes a little bit of a, of a, a road movie with, um, with a man and his, you know, pet Alfredo Garcia head, which is really fun. Um, so like different sort of takeaways this time that, um, and the, and the pace is more like patient, uh, than, than I remember it being. Um, and, you know, it really, it really takes time. I think in good ways. Um, but it, w- it was just like, there's more, in the margins to to grapple onto, than I recall or even would have anticipated seeing in this film in, in my my first go with it so that's I don't know that's just me kind of shooting from the hip but um, like I, I think a lot of good stuff and not just to chalk it up to like oh it, you know you get more out of it, it with subsequent watches because that can be viewed as a crutch when you're talking about certain movies I don't really think that's that's the case here Um, I, I think there's genuinely genuinely a sort of a lot to pick at
1: yeah. I really liked where both you uh, and Aaron got with like the sort of both the place and the character, I think working really w- well together. That's one of the things that I noticed on rewatch here. And again, this is all my second time ever seeing it. Both times have been the trial and I've been mildly afraid to go back to it in, in like isolation. I feel like the only way I want to consume this movie is if I can talk with people about it right afterward. But like, I, I didn't think the first time I watched about that, like you didn't use the term metamorphosis but like the fact that he has to become sort of a different person around this halfway roughly final act point where it does just change tone completely this is like i'm trying to like contain my larger thoughts about it because i know that there's a big floor here for everybody to have but like it's that notion of this like sort of fucking kind of like a perverted baptism he goes through in the final act there where there's all this talk with, um, is it Alita? I'm forgetting the, I mean, and here's, here's the thing about a Peckinpah movie or two. It's like the, the, again, your mileage may vary in terms of what it's doing with, with women in the film. Um, but when he and, uh, and, and Alita are, uh, leaning up against that tree in that one really pivotal scene where they're talking about the future and he asks her or she asks him to, to propose. Um, and in terms of uh, like, you know what, what they could be, she says, she has that like really devastating quote. Can we find someplace new? I think is what she says. Um, and like having that all crash down around them, the structure of that, like, I don't know. I, I sort of anticipated from the first time a more traditional something terrible is going to happen. There's going to be a tragedy that ha- that like rips this from them. It's early seventies. It's sort of this like uh, not really the ending that you would expect. You know, more dramatics sort of thing, and it pulls the rug out from under it. And in the third act, just becomes a completely different, like tonally bizarre. Uh, like he again, the whole notion of him just talking to this severed head and preserving it. And I don't know, like just the bare plot elements there changed the tone and feeling of the film completely to where I had very little grounding my first time around. Now that I knew that that was happening, I could pay attention a little bit more to that change to like, uh, the sort of maybe some of the themes that it's working with alongside there the the whole thing where um we talked in our episode about the wild bunch go back and listen to that if you've seen that movie uh where he, like there's extra footage in some versions of the film that just shows mostly more kids I paid attention a lot more to that like the idea of of youth and children and the future in this movie than I did the first time around I sort of took it as an isolated story of two people it's really more of an emblematic thing about uh generations and Pat like i'm i'm getting way too far ahead of myself but like partially it's a cowboy bebop movie in a way i think we keep comparing things a lot to that but i i, I get a lot of spike uh and i get a lot of jet and i get a lot of Fay out of the, really? the release of these two main characters don't don't ask me to go where the I'm, minute where you said I'm,
0: that i was like oh this is the this is this is a classic jason brain and but now i'm thinking about it i'm like okay he is still just bringing up anime randomly but i
1: there, uh, there's something okay there's w- something w- the w-
3: jacket
1: i with mean the this, this movie reminds
3: me a little bit of the long goodbye and the long goodbye is just cowboy bebop Okay. so there's something Th- this there this movie
0: is yes it's cowboy bebop if none of the characters were cool actually and they were well, all, yeah, just they're, of, they're yeah. all
1: just, and just pick pick kind of it was kind of about <laughs> that yeah right yes. i'm not, i'm not saying they're cool or like respectable or whatever but like they're moving they're like finding difficulty moving past their their past like they they are sort of like they see this they get just enough rope to hang them. Well, I guess he Benny gets just enough ro- enough rope to hang himself. And of course, fucking, he's not the one who suffers from it the most. He like is set back, and she is set back, and they're not able to move forward. They're looking in the same direction, not at each other. When she asks him to propose, and then she doesn't respond. She just cries. I don't know. All of these pieces sort of add up to this very incredibly tragic. Until it turns, until Elita dies, and um, and she and spoilers, Elita dies, and he sort of has this new, uh, sort of like uh, really. I don't know uncomfortable left field revenge plot then that that kicks in uh is i know up to that point it's about how they he he sees a future and but like the, he's sort of fooling both of them in thinking that like they might have that they might be able to get that i don't know i'm I'm sort of exploding with my thoughts about the movie because it they are in all different directions I don't know that I have a coherent like straight on take about the movie, but in in some. I feel like all of those pieces really sang this time in terms of the structure and the character work. It is the most war notes movie I've ever seen. I've only seen a few of them, but I feel like this is like the, for me, the prototypical war notes role, just a little freak who keeps like grinning at the wrong times and wearing sunglasses to bed. I I don't know. It's, 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 I, I found it a a fascinating movie the second, the first time around. And then I think Harry's phrasing of, unfortunately it's a masterpiece is I think really apt in terms of this because it does, it does great at times.
3: Yeah, um I really like I'm I'm really interested in in both of you saying that this has kind of a shift in it. I don't totally disagree. Um but one of the things that works so well for me for especially the first two acts is that this always strikes me as a deeply fatalist movie. It's a movie about people who are doomed and who absolutely know they're doomed from like the moment it starts. That's what makes their relationship so like perfectly sublimely toxic right like they are so wrong for each other they know it like like benny is like this like he's like the the james baldwin quote about how like white people have no culture and so they exist to sort of like eat the culture of the spaces around them and destroy it um it's he's like that personified where it's like like the thing about Alita is she had a boyfriend who loved her and who she actually Mm -hmm. loved. Uh, His name was Alfredo Garcia. Uh, Benny is like pointedly the opposite of that. In every way, like uh, Alfredo Garcia was was a younger man. He was um, actually from Mexico. Uh, he was he was local. He had something in common with Alita. He treated her well. Uh, he ostensibly, maybe, actually loved her. Uh, that your mileage may vary. Um, she seems to think so. I think that that might have been sort of like uh, post ex post facto mythologizing. But um, the point stands. None of those things are true about Benny. Right? Benny sort of resents her. Thinks that he's better than her, is kind of looking for a way out, and maybe thinks he wants to bring her along, maybe not, will not marry her. Because he's white, right he's white he's ex military um there is sort of an entitlement living there under him. there is this antipathy toward everything uh you know she says you'll have enough money to buy your own place, right and he says, "Buy my own place, no, why would I want to stay in this shithole right It's like, I want out of here, I hate all of this, and all of you <laughs> and uh that really that resentment is is made manifest in the way that he treats her and the way that he treats everyone right it's like he is not interested in Alita, uh, except as sort of a, um, well, first, a, a symbol of like his own, like, property and then sort of a symbol of his own inadequacy right like he becomes sort of sexually obsessed with how he's not good enough for her and how alfredo garcia was and like there are very clear racial implications there right and like very clear racist implications in the in the sense that like benny literally thinks about alfredo garcia as a penis right he says at one point like alita you are is laying with the best part of you he says to the head um And I, uh, so I didn't really see this as a shift so much as it's like, it's, these are two people who are like, they, they are so intimately like aware of the stakes of what they're doing. Right. Like, I really love that Alita and, um, Benny are under no sort of false, uh, illusions about the, the horror of what they're doing. And especially like, it's, it's a weird breakup movie in a lot of ways. Right. Because it's like, like Alita is like, wait, like your ticket out of this place where I've always lived is my ex boyfriend's head. Um, and we're going to go dig it up. And there is this like overriding pervasive sense in this movie that like, you don't get to like, your these characters trying to get out is going to make them have to compromise everything including like everything they think about themselves everything they think about each other their love is not going to survive this their cell se- their ideas of themselves are not going to survive this and like that they know it right and like especially benny knows it and benny is the one who's sort of like egging her on over and over again and being sort of like uh like no like Once we're done with this, once we get out of this place... He he is sort of like he's projected his own inner sort of corruption and nihilism onto the landscape around him. Right. He thinks that, like, when I can get out of Mexico, I'll be a different person without realizing that, of course, he is the person doing that. Right. And and in fact, like everything that he represents, right, his his whiteness, his imperialism, he was a part of the American army uh, that was sort of discharged and is now just languishing in Mexico. It's like he is the person that is generating this wasteland right but but to him he only needs to uh do one more thing to get out of it but in the process right like he knows that uh he is going to have to sort of like go further than he ever has before right and so you know he he sort of like creates the horrors that he's trying to escape from
1: (laughs) yeah it's like i don't know what you're saying about his like uh, that that sort of entitlement that he has as white mountain south of the border and like the jealousy that he has of Alfredo Garcia himself um like i forget how it's intimated or how it's said but like essentially he's he's grappling the whole time with the idea that Elita had like is it was truly in love like El Primo i think maybe he calls him jokingly like his right. her El Primo amor or something like that like he knows that uh Benny if if any choice is second choice like he's sort of past his prime he's running a rundown bar he's just glad handing everybody who comes into the bar he's whatever like it's that combination of all of that plus like the incredible fragility that that's built on i think like the first right. time that i saw this movie the phrase that kept coming to me 2018 jason brain was just like a fragile masculinity he has this like any time that that's threatened he sort of explodes or uh, finds another way to like reroute yeah. it the, the, the whole, whole
3: movie is cuck fear right like <laughs> honestly
1: pretty pretty much and like I mean, it's made most manifest and there's a content warning at the top of this episode for uh, depictions of uh, attempted sexual assault. But there's a scene which feels like directly just inserted to sort of like be one of the, uh, I don't know, didactic moments of the movie. It feels I think like, it's a
3: frame story for the entire movie. Absolutely. Yeah, it, I'm glad it, we talked. <laughs> We're getting there.
1: <laughs> It, it feels, I don't know, it doesn't feel the most, uh, I don't know if this should ever, if this is the right term for it, but like it doesn't feel natural, it doesn't feel like it fits in the narrative per se, but it does like do, I think, what Peck and maybe wanted it to do. Well, anyway, they're in a field having a picnic at night after their tire is blown, I believe still south of the border, and two uh, roving bandits, um, one of whom is Chris Christofferson actual Chris Christopherson I forgot that from the first time I watched it uh wild it is yeah. absolutely I, I, I love that, I, that it's Peck and Paul was like pop up
3: let's let's yes. make
1: it let's make this sexual assaulting
3: guy the most disturbing person that it could possibly be it's like if fucking Robin Williams showed up and was like a, a sexual assaulting person <laughs> in a movie
1: Ugh. I I was not uh I was not pleased to see his face because I I, I thought like that can't be chris Christopherson, right that has to be just a look like some nobody that peck and Pop anyway uh, actually chris Christopherson and another guy um they corner them uh they sort of intimidate both of them with uh with their firearms and um and take elita away to to be sexually assaulted to be raped essentially um and in the over the course of this scene uh, we see elita sort of she even like it's in the script that she says i've been here before uh you don't know the way i mean this is like again it, your mileage may vary Not really qualified disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer all over this, but, uh, she sort of commands a certain amount of control, like mitigation to the situation. She sort of, she's experienced this before in lieu of like letting this rise to the level of incredible violence that she knows it could, she will handle it. Benny just stay here with the other guy. Uh, of course, he doesn't let that his fragile masculinity. The guy is, the other guy is playing guitar and mocking him about, you know, having his woman taken all that kind of stuff. Benny sort of explodes in a rage of violence, uh, blows both of them away with, with a gun. And that like incredibly traumatizes, presumably incredibly traumatizes Alita in a way that she was not prepared to be traumatized by the actual act that, act that was going on again huge disclaimers red tape all over this take of it but i think that that is like one of the examples of that fragility uh sort of poking through um is again like you said the whole half the movie is is cuck fear either for the like titular alfredo garcia or for other people who like threaten his sense of power his sense of entitlement or his sense of um masculinity throughout the movie I, and i think that like if there is a simple way to see the movie that sort of Changes how I feel from like really I don't know uh, in ways disgusted and in other ways just like not as pleased like it's not an unple- not a pleasant watching experience. If there's something that turns it on, that it's like oh you're not if you look at it this way. If you look at it as like depictions of fragile masculinity that sort of boil over and negatively impact the lives of people around him, then it becomes more like oh I see what they were doing. I don't know if it's valid or legitimate, but that just makes it a little easier. It go, makes it go down a little bit easier, I guess. Not that, it, not that I yeah need
3: it too, um. Right. This is probably my most sort of unfortunate take, right? Which is why I said early on the unfortunate part. Like, I think the sexual assault scene is kind of like the perfect encapsulation of this movie. Um, And, and I think that like how you feel about it is probably how you feel about the movie as a whole. I should say that like Alita uh, and all women in this movie, they largely operate uh, in to like punish men um, as being inadequate, which like, I I personally like again like I'm not the right person to be um offended by that right because I'm not a woman but like I think that there's something redemptive in that Alita is so much more mature and realized and uh realistic than Benny is right like she's mm-hmm. essentially like kind of his mom and his girlfriend at the same time uh and like you know like she has that that great line where she's like I've been here before you don't know the way she appe- she tries to appeal to Chris Christopherson's humanity not even necessarily to not sexually assault her but just to like keep things from getting way worse she's just like at one point right before he dies she's just looking him in the eyes and she's like don't please please you know it's like i and she's not even necessarily begging for her own life or her own like quote-unquote purity so much as it's just like i don't want to see this go so bad and then of course it does right and like i think that 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 assault scene is so good because it's such a reframe where like it ostensibly the thing you want to have happen happens, right? Where the quote unquote protagonist is, is heroic and he saves the day and he saves this woman, right? She is not sexually assaulted there. Benny hits the, uh, the guy with the guitar, takes his gun, kills him and then kills Chris Christofferson, and they move on. That is if anything, well, I shouldn't say if anything, it's just as bad, right? It's like yeah. you, he didn't succeed quote unquote in saving, uh, Alita's, like, virtue or whatever, right? She herself didn't want this to go down this way. That was the last thing she wanted to have happen. And then, was- and then in
1: the in the next scene, she's, like, cry. She's broken down in the shower. Right. And, you know, she's obviously traumatized by this in a way that, like right. I said, she wasn't and, really prepared to be. And it's, like,
3: it's such an effective reframe of – it's, like, Benny didn't do that out of love or compassion for her. He did it out of this this, like – psychotic desire to protect his own property and to protect his own uh masculine virtue his own sort of like sense of self um and he did it through incredible violence right and it, violence that now uh, alita needs to feel uh she's responsible for because he committed it ostensibly in her name right even though of course that's not why he did it right like she's not that important to him as he like will tell her right in the first place um and it's like that's it's a perfect parallel to el jefe right where el jefe has this like um horrible incestuous relationship with his daughter and so he needs to kill alfredo garcia because alfredo garcia has like cucked him right and like i don't know if that's necessarily made manifest but like the way he treats the, the son of Alfredo Garcia and his daughter, like it becomes pretty clear in my mind that like, at least at the very least, he feels some sort of sexual ownership over his daughter in that way, which is why he has to kill her man or whatever. And like very clearly a parallel, right? It's like, uh, Benny does not see Alita as, like, his partner or his, like, friend. He sees her as a walking, talking symbol of his own possible redemption and his own masculinity. And I think that, like, it's such a good framing device, unfortunately, again, to, like, um, make her this, like, to to short, sort of, like, create this situation where, like... In any other movie, that scene would be sort of like heroic or it would be a near miss, right? It would be like, Oh, thank God. Like that tension didn't come. And the way it's played in the movie, it like it, everything terrible that, that was going to happen still happened. And it was even maybe worse, right? It's just like there is no victory here, uh, except for like this symbolic victory that Benny gets to have for himself, which is uh, a Fyrick anyway, because it's like, he's never going to feel good enough. He's never going to feel like she's never really going to love him in his own mind. Uh, and so nothing was really accomplished here, except that two more men are dead and everybody feels terrible. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, uh, it's weird to call things my favorite or like the, the, the best or anything, because like, standards of like goodness and enjoyability don't really apply in a movie like this per se i think but one of the most illustrative i think examples of that is right after she is actually killed she's killed in the graveyard she's put in the same grave as um as as alfredo and benny uh and he has like he i, I say he benny takes maybe 10 seconds to mourn you barely see his face he's burying his head in the in the dirt literally weeping and then he says no you know what and starts like denigrating her as you know as a whore as somebody who like you know you you can stay with him kind of thing um and i think that's yeah, he does
3: the straight up like saint james infirmary thing where it's like oh you had the gall to die well good luck you're never gonna find a man like me in hell or whatever
1: (laughs) exactly and it's like that I think is that happening in real time. Like over the course of the assault scene, you see that happen uh, where like an opportunity for some maturity, some element of like, you know, uh, acceptance and maybe even growth on the part of that character is thrown away in, in, in the effort, excuse me, in the, in the, in the, in favor of like an action that allows him to reassert some kind of dominance, some kind of ownership over the situation, over his, his quote unquote property over his, you know, quote unquote his woman. Um, and in that scene, you see it happen in real time with, I think, no cuts is just him moving from, like, an incredibly vulnerable state of mourning that could have, like I said in another movie, been, uh, like, the the moment of pyrrhic tragedy where he, like, he sort of found what he was looking for and it cost him everything. Uh, but instead, it kicks off an entire other act of, like... Uh, just bizarro, like uh, a mezcal fueled um, runs through the desert with, uh, with a rotting head that lead to shootouts that lead to, you know, handoffs that lead to money, that lead to more shootouts that lead to uh, an incredible culmination, uh, you know, a firefight at the, at the, at El Jefe's uh, compound, like just the way that it kicks into high gear right after that moment. And when I say like favorite or best, that moment in the graveyard uh, is, I think, like really emblematic of i mean of course the the assault scene is sort of where things are compressed and distilled um as like you're you're seeing that happen to the character but then that's like that's what kicks off the final act and the final act in at least as i was seeing it has such a different tone uh like still a tragedy still like you're trying to wa- you're watching this character you would advise different actions on the part of this character at at this given time but you know that like he's sort of beyond that point of decision that he's not that he's not interested in like uh reconciliation or growth or forward motion he is really just interested in this uh, obsessive pursuit of revenge, of ownership, of insistence, of dominance. And that has led him to, and I think, like, just the f- fact that the movie is structured that way, that the final act focuses on the fallout, not from like his actions, but from h- the way that he's responded to the consequence of his actions. That's like, okay, we're going to follow this thread a little bit further. Maybe not like the logical, what you could see a human doing, but sort of where this would lead somebody to act, where this like mindset that led the, the put this person in the same position they were in, just enough rope to hang themselves with the wrong people, where it would take him beyond that, I guess. I, that's what's really interesting to me is about where the movie goes from there.
3: Uh, just real quick, um, I feel like I've been talking too much, but uh, first of all, um really good note uh on the sexual assault scene it's it's worth noting also that benny literally is blaming her for it at one point he's like sitting there muttering to himself about how terrible she is that this is happening uh, and it's like bro like what uh, <laughs> um and but like a perfect sort of encapsulation of like whenever something terrible is happening to him he can sort of like um like project that like at her as the cause of that onto him because of how she's making him feel. It's this like this perfect toxic sort of like alleviation of self responsibility, which is also what he's doing with the other characters, right? He throws off, what he's doing to himself onto other characters, most notably, right? Alfredo Garcia himself, whom he is competing with throughout the movie, even though Alfredo Garcia has been dead for the entire movie. (laughs) And right by the end of the movie, he like, he, he literally takes the head with him so that he can continue to make himself feel bad with it. Right. So that he can continue to be like, What makes you so special? What makes you so much better than me? At one point, he's like, what do you got? Diamonds stuffed in your nose or something. And it's like, bro, there's nobody there. There's nothing there. It's all, it's always been you, you know, it's like, He was projecting this inferiority complex onto Alita. He literally is projecting it onto a head by the end of this movie. But that inferiority complex and the way it operates, that's what allows him to do these terrible things, right? Like it's this perfect sort of self-sustaining perpetual motion machine where he can project this cause of his own suffering onto something else, his cause of his internalized inferiority. And then he can lash out at that to kill it, to try to reassert himself as dominant again. That's what he's doing with Alfredo Garcia throughout this movie, right? It's like, if I can sell this head, I can sort of finally get one up on my romantic rival, this guy I think is so much better than me. And that'll be my way out right to finally end this game. And there's this perfect sort of like one more thing uh, throughout the movie, right? It's like, there's a brass ring, this money that's always just one step beyond. Um, him and and that allows him to sort of like re-rationalize and re-establish this perpetual motion machine of self-loathing and self um flagellation uh and and to turn that just so into the the sort of violent um motivation that he needs to keep doing these things and i think that's why it's so important that it goes so far beyond the brink of like sanity Right. It's like by the end of this, like it gets so ugly and like we needed the beginning so that we can see like like he's he's a he's a fucking nutball by the end of this movie. Right. Like he's talking to a head. He's literally like walking around. He keeps getting ice to put on it. He put like has it take a shower. He talks to it all the time. And it's like this is what it looks like for you to be this person right it's like for for you to constantly need this affirmation and to try to create circumstances where you can prove yourself to be something you know you're not uh it's never going to happen for you you're never going to feel like you're better than Alfredo Garcia you're never going to get out of this because you're bringing it with you literally <laughs> in a sack
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's in that inter- in that way it's sort of interestingly commenting on the nihilism of seven of movies in the 70s like that sort of movement toward it i think it is saying like this is sort of what's maybe he's sort of an, an emblem of that and this is like one of the natural logical endpoints of it without check without like not necessarily the, the film movement itself but like the whole concept of stories that tell that that like this like he is em- maybe himself embodying that spirit of uh, of like, you know, nihilism, uh, uh, corruption dominance as like a badge as like the way that he moves through the world rather than something to be like addressed or, uh, improved upon or moved past. Um, it's, I, I don't know, it, it, it goes a little, even though it's from only 74, I think it goes a little bit further than that in, in addressing it than a lot of movies in addressing that I'm thinking of like some of the most depressing shit, 1970s movies, that, not shit bad, but shit like that's what it's about uh movies i've seen are like wake and fright um uh uh, california split these are movies that like end with a what was it all for type thing and i don't think this movie does like it ends with like that's where it gets you man you got what you got and now you you know you get what you get and whatever that phrase is you just like that's where you've ended up by acting by responding this way by like not addressing or checking this way um yeah, I I don't know it 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 could be. Uh I read it as like a take on those sorts of stories themselves, but
3: yeah, no, I love that. And um and I promise I'll I'll stop yacking so much after this, but um like I think that to, to sort of sell the movie quote unquote uh aaron if if you will um I think that like the mechanism that i 'm describing this thing where like there is a there's something rotten in the heart of Benny, and in order to sort of like deflect that he projects it onto something else so that he can destroy that thing so that he can feel better about himself, but it only ever perpetuates the inferiority and therefore the hatefulness is like kind of a perfect metaphor for like colonialism and and particularly the way that america has treated middle america and the global south and and uh mexico right is this idea that like like it's it's very apocalypse now or very heart of darkness where it's like benny is the problem right it's him but like he is going to make something else the problem so that he can destroy it and he is never going to get over the uh the fundamental in like like, Hatred in his heart of himself, of what he has become, but by continually sort of blaming that hatred on an outside force, on Mexico itself, on Alfredo Garcia, on Alida, on uh, El Jefe, he can externalize it and then uh sort of ironically perpetuate his own engagement with it right it's like it's the perfect way for him to continue to be this monster um because there's always this sort of like this next target and it it gives him this perfect excuse to blame uh his suffering and the suffering of others on those people right that's why he hates alita so much is that like how dare she make me feel this way right? How dare he make me feel this way? I'm going to punish them. And it's like, bro, like it's all you, you know? And I I think that that's like the, the sort of like insane victim blaming and, uh, animus that, that sort of like guides like colonialism is right there, right? Where it's like the, the worse you treat people, the more you hate them in order to continue to treat them worse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's it's such a bleak, horrible metaphor, but I think it's really effective in that way.
1: I think so too. Um, Aaron, I don't mean to put you on the spot as like the one who maybe wasn't as on board, but does this like, is this giving you any mileage out of any of this or is this like too disconnected? What's, what's this doing for you?
0: Um, I I think that, uh, I think I might agree with some of that. I'm not necessarily 100% sold on the readings that you two. I mean, I think the, the main thing that, that, um, has been sticking with me, I think, generally, um, especially in comparison to The Wild Bunch, which made this point quite a bit. And it's a very general point that sounds kind of maybe dumb to voice, but just like the the overall, like, senseless nature of pretty much everything that happens in this film is like, I think something that The Wild Bunch does quite a bit. I think this film does it too. I think like, the fact that And it's it's kind of comes off when you think about it, like after the fact as like a pun or like kind of like a a cheap dad joke. Right. But like the fact that all of this action is like spurned by, uh, you know, El Jefe wanting the literal head of this person who is, in fact, already dead. Right. It is this this literal representation of this desire to see this man killed. Yes. Um, And there's this kind of like. I guess assumption that you have to make is like a viewer that like everyone involved in like going and finding Alfredo Garcia and like cutting off his head and then bringing it back is just like not going to mention that he was already dead. Right. Like everybody's kind of in on this joke uh, that this person who is already dead, killed in like this just kind of random, you know, kind of drunk driving accident a few days ago. Um we're just not going to mention that, right? Like the thing is this literal representation of this request to kill this man. Um, and then, and then of course, the joke is the end is that, that, Hey, toss, toss that head to the pig, to the, to the pigs on the way out. Right. Um, and that it, it, feels, I would view it as very nihilistic. I think, I think my reading is very nihilistic. I would read a lot of the wild bunch is very nihilistic in a similar way. Not negatively I, I think i kind of like that strain of nihilism but I, mm-hmm. I do view it in that manner um i think that has kind of kept sticking with me uh in a way and i don't know if like i i think that kind of lines up with what you two have said a little bit but like maybe not entirely maybe yeah I don't well, know. like that's the detail that like has has stuck with me
1: which is not yeah. too much
0: i don't know i guess my answer is like a little bit, but that's not enough. No, I guess you're
1: talking about like the tools that uses to get there where I think your ending point is like within there. And my ending point is a little bit beyond there. And I think I might be reading, you know, further than it shows me, so to speak.
0: I, I also like my, my one other thing that like, I, I, maybe this is like a Seinfeld isn't funny sort of situation uh, with this film, but like, I, this film is like pretty violent. It's pretty disturbing. It does not feel gratuitously so in a manner that lines up with other people's reactions to this film. And I think that maybe that's just because we've had years and years and years of people kind of taking this dark, almost comedic tone and just kind of extrapolating it even further, but this film does not feel as like shocking or grotesque as I think a lot of people have said, to be quite honest Um, outside of the scene of sexual assault, which is quite disturbing. Mm. Um, But like a lot of the stuff with him talking to the rotting head and kind of showering it, it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's disturbing content, but but I I don't know. It's yucky. It hasn't been hitting me in the same manner that I think it does to a lot of people. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh,
1: uh, just different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe.
2: Yeah, maybe you're just a unique individual with your own set of uh, oh, sensibilities too. and artistic preferences. Very zany stuff. No, I think everybody's done a, a really good job characterizing this film, and I think – um You know, Erin, the points you brought up, um, like potential apprehensions as well as things that have sort of stuck with you positively and negatively are, um, are pretty fair. Uh, like as Harry uh, also said, I would not besmirch anybody for, for not digging this movie. Um, there's a lot to like and a lot to dislike. One detail that I think maybe runs up against it, like favorably with some of the things that have been talked about. Um, so far, the only other thing that I, I, that I really wanted to bring up, uh, and I noticed it or I, I latched onto it more this time and like it's kind of hard not to whether it is your first time or not your first time watching it but the the set that we go into twice it's like the hotel room of um el jefe's business associates um max uh i think max and friends um as they're canonically called probably (laughs) they have a daytime (laughs) talk show um max and friends uh and like i think it, it stands out obviously because it's so visually vastly different from any other space that we occupy in this movie and i think like it like an easy surface level thing is like there is some level of comfort here because it's indoors and it looks like it's air conditioned and hey like it's pretty cool that this movie has that thing but um like what it's also doing is like in all the ways that um y'all have talked about you know benny uh, like uh, leveraging his whiteness in certain situations, and like the I don't know the types of prejudice that inform um, things that happen to him and things that he does uh, within this world. Having that, like uh, us occupying the space and him being uh, a tourist in these spaces, even if for a couple scenes, I think is um, probably pretty important. And the fact that those that set was as like carefully put together as it was, I think plays. Favorably into that, um, as it's been brought up, the sort of absurd nature of um, this world and this movie in general, whereas the rest of the world we occupy is perfectly it, there's. It's it is a guided enough movie in that you know kind of what the quest is, but there aren't there aren't like really visual guardrails to it it is like set up to be sort of an open environment in Mm -hmm. which um benny and others can be pursued where like he can pursue the head of the titular head of alfredo garcia and then he can be pursued by other people um and in this room is seemingly the one place in the world where nobody is really pursuing anybody until the end where benny um goes back and, and pursues these people but i and i don't know again like very surface level comparison to somebody like um for some buddies like the coen brothers that have that like we're just gonna we're gonna um throw uh you know tropes uh like visual and um thematic tropes from different genres next to each other uh not just for like the shock value of seeing those things together you know like dirty grimy desert juxtaposed with like um a, a, a spy thriller level hotel room or, or something like that um but there is there is intention to it and i i think that's Um, I don't know. I, I think it's successful enough without overwhelming. Like it, I don't like, I don't think understanding the nature of that room is necessarily like the key to understanding the whole movie, but it, it adds a certain level of thematic zest that, uh, I was really on board with Mm -hmm. this time around again, without it sort of overriding and domineering my, my viewing experience. But, um, yeah, Cohen Brothers. Maybe if I say that enough, uh, enough more people will will it's, um like <laughs> d- Google like and stumble upon this, and, and we'll get more listens. I, yeah. I don't know.
1: Let's Google Coen, algorithm. I, I Cohen Brothers. Buster Scruggs. I don't know what they did. Most. If if I can jump yeah. in w- w- one thing, Harry, before your next point, um, I love how that visual metaphor gets more ridiculous the second time we see it because it's been so long since we saw it. To where, like, the first time we see it, it looks like a pretty standard, like, clean office space. Second time we see it, we're introduced to it by, again, a pat-down, but then literally the remaining guy, uh, Max and Quill is his friend's name. The actor's name is Gig, so I don't know which is more ridiculous than that. Uh, But Max and Quill are dead at the border, and... Uh, The remaining guy seems completely undisturbed by that. He's reading a Time magazine featuring uh, Nixon's face on it and having his feet pedicured by just two lovely women. No pants. Uh, He's wearing no pants. He's wearing like a business top and no pants. And it's just like, this is Everybody was sort of chortling in the theater because this is ridiculous. This is on top of everything that's happened. It is a ridiculous way to like enhance and amp up the ridiculousness of that metaphor. And I love that you brought it up because that does it, – it worked for me in that way. But then it was like, okay, now we've, we've really gilded the lily on how ridiculous this whole visual thing is. I loved it.
3: Well, and it's like Aaron said, the whole movie's ridiculous, right? Like I actually really loved that take, uh, Aaron, and I think it's really important to understand that like – The head of Alfredo Garcia is a funny dad joke and perfect metaphor for this idea that like like nobody's getting what they want, right? It's like the the quest was doomed from the start. Like obviously, he wasn't actually saying he wanted the head of Alfredo Garcia. He was saying he wanted the guy dead. Like that mission is a non-starter. Right. But that's, that's perfectly sort of symbolic of Benny. Right. Because it's like, what does Benny really want out of this? It's like, well, he wants to be a different person in a different place. Right. Like he, he wants to finally defeat. Uh, his romantic rival Alfredo Garcia, on no uncertain terms, he wants to finally become worthy of Alita, and also to have the feelings that he feels he should have for Alita, and to leave to find a better place and be a better right. person. And it's like that. Though that shit was never going to happen, my right. guy. Right? They, they,
1: like all, the, all they told him was he'd get ten thousand dollars. What he distinctly does not want is ten thousand <laughs> dollars. Right? Know?
3: Well, it exactly, and like it, it's. Again, it's like the perfect metaphor for like, and like the fact that you know, like again, if you if you want to take it to like a really literal, maybe more literal than it than it deserves to be, but but it's sort of like it's what was the original project of colonialism, right? It was like it was not what we said it was, right? It was certainly not to to like uplift and uh industrialize uh the third the quote-unquote third world or the global south it was to extract resources right and it's like there is this sort of like why aren't you letting me do what i want to do like why aren't you letting me feel the way that i want to feel about this project right and so instead of like because like you brought the animus to it uh you are blaming other people for that animus and continuing to um, punish them for it. Right. It's like, like Benny, Benny only ever wanted what he, what he gets in this movie. Right. Especially at the end is like he, he wanted violence and death because he didn't even realize it, but it was like what he was really pursuing was this, answer that he is never going, that he already knows the answer to, right? An answer to a question he he already knows, right? Which is Mm -hmm. like, why am I not good enough? Like, why is this not happening? Like, why can't I feel the way I'm supposed to feel or be the man I'm supposed to be, right? And I think that like the nihilism inherent in this movie is such a perfect encapsulation of that, right? Where it's like, these are all of these sad, ridiculous, desperate people chasing after this symbol that is not actually meaningful in any sense right that is never going to give them what they want and they know it and they're not even really chasing it because of what they say they're chasing it because they need something for themselves right and it's something that they're never they're never ever going to get um and in the meanwhile like because of that that fundamental sort of lack in their hearts they are going to keep you know they're going to keep perpetuating these cycles of endless sort of like violence and nihilism in the meantime um great Mm -hmm. uplifting film very uh just upper
1: (laughs) a thrill a minute fun for the whole family uh check it out if you can i think kino lorber maybe has it on blu-ray you said cody uh twilight time i saw a couple of those copies on ebay i don't know for a little while it was unavailable widely yeah i think i have um
2: i can't remember the. i meant to look before we jumped on but i forgot yeah kino lorber definitely has i want to say a blu-ray and a 4k i hope i'm not misrepresenting mine is uh, from a different vendor i want to say it's like a
1: region b um because i have a, a blu-ray player that can play regions mm-hmm. from from all over the globe and one of these um, days i'm going to get a maybe 4k player the, that can play 4ks from all around the globe and you're just going to look like the biggest clown in minneapolis is what you're going to look like i already do but do your worst afnis <laughs> uh well that is usually our sign when we start talking about maybe media formats that we're ready for the junk drawer if anybody's got junk drawer thoughts um any things that didn't fit in our larger discussion or just fun little moments i mean fun little moments in a movie like this moments that you wanted to point out that just stuck with you uh aaron
0: hey here's a dumb uh criticism real dumb here uh dumb point quite stupid but this kind of thing does unfortunately impact your enjoyment of a film like this uh this film is uh it's not exactly the same, but this film is like basically about sixty-five percent of what Sorcerer is, and I like Sorcerer more.
1: I compared it this film to, is yeah.
0: very similar to Sorcerer. Yes, I had that while watching it. I was like, man, it's very close in a lot of ways, uh, and that it is certain, very it certainly stupidly, you but
1: with the same feeling, yeah,
0: accurately altering my enjoyment. Yeah, so I think right. I might like
1: this more than Sorcerer.
3: Oh no, you're crazy!
0: What are you I,
1: talking I, th- about? I think this edges that, it out a little bit, maybe by that like bridge scene that the bridge scenes fucking rocks. The uh, is it, that's the scene. So that's the movie where, they, where they've got the dynamite that blows up the tree. Is that that movie? Yep. Yeah, that yep. that's a great scene. I think this has a like a whole piece that's less like just grating at you every second and more sure. one that's like, but still moving toward a defined end. Where this one's more like, I don't know, a, a bit of a challenge at times. I think I I think this one edges out a little bit. But anyway,
3: all right respect
1: edging any junk to thoughts from the rest of the gallery
3: uh in reference to cody's hotel room scene i find it it's so funny and so uh um instructive that like he moves the goalpost immediately right it's like he literally got to where he needed to go and they're like well here's the money and he's just like you can almost see the gears turning in his head he's like how can i turn this into something that's actually violent and terrible right yeah. it's like it's like oh well wait like I I know how I can do it. Like how much is the head actually worth? Like, who are you actually going to give it to? And then he holds them up. Right. And it's just like, what are you doing? It was like, this was only ever going to end this way. Right. Um, i i think that maybe the most disgusting part of the entire movie for me is when he and Alita are laying in bed and then he gets up and he is like picking at the crabs that are in his crotch or whatever (laughs) and then he pours tequila on his dick in order to like (laughs) ostensibly kill the venereal disease that he's dealing
1: with hey aaron does that work (laughs) i mean Uh, yes maybe (laughs) There, there there are a lot of those um it reminds- there's
3: no there's no good way to answer that question, Aaron. It was a trap from the very start. <laughs> I
0: yeah. I'm sorry. You know what? We, hey, edit that out.
1: We uh just take
0: it just take it out of your,
1: your it. Um, Harry, about the way that he turns that final confrontation at the office setting into something that's like like he's at the goal he's moved the goalpost once again is like there is in, in isolation, any of those scenes feels like it could have come from a movie. That's like a man with nothing to lose a man. Who's like sort of like got, gone beyond the consequences of his act. And he's just like, he's just pursuing revenge at all costs kind of thing, which is what makes it run so close to the grindhouse feel of like any other movie. That's literally just about that. That's that Could not be simpler. Right. In narrative. But I think like just for all the setup for all of the like really nuanced dialogue for Maybe if you removed that scene of them sitting up against the tree, uh, having a little picnic with tequila, um, and and them talking about marriage and the future, if you removed that from the movie, maybe I could be more on board with a yeah, this is just sort of like an explosion of violence at a wrong done to a man type yeah. movie. But I think, I think I'm on just the same so page with
3: you, where it's like it. There's enough here that it like it radically reframes the story that you think it's yeah. going to be right, and it it ends up going in such a completely different direction than you expect or that yeah. that the genre would sort of imply um and i find that really really impactful in sort of almost mm-hmm. a deconstructive type way
1: um my juncture thought is that the third act it plays way more like especially once you've like i think seen it once before plays way more like comedy than almost anything else like there is a horrifying aspect to it but like the way that he's just throwing around this head and beating it around and it's hitting like the wheel it's well when he hits the Incredible physical and comedy it's great and like you know so best supporting actor Alfredo garcia's head just incredible like timing on the funks and thuds like everything but the splat noises is in this movie just this gross i mean it's not as gross like aaron i'm assuming they was just hyped up too much for you but like just the bare, bare concept of it like him throwing it in ice and bathing it and stuff i mean the the bare imagery honestly alone of, that's, of like, I,
0: that's not gross that's just practical look you're carrying a head back across warm mexico you know countryside what would you do
1: but does that you work know? aaron does it work yeah, of course. Oh, I see. Well, honestly, not, how I, do you know? I am not.
0: My lawyers are telling me not to, you know, admit to anything here. But hypothetically, if one were to do that, then yeah, why not? Of course. I um, mean, it would, the problem is the eyes would melt too quickly Is the real. It's true. Yeah. You are right. You need to make several pit stops.
3: I think that, like... I think that maybe your mileage may vary with this, but like to me, it was like, I think that like it's maybe just a category mistake in the, in the sense of like what is disturbing, right? Because like to me, this movie works super well as disturbing in the same way like vertigo does where it's, it's just like at one point you just realize that you're going to have to spend the rest of the movie sitting in the head of like a very, very sick individual. <laughs> and like, I really love that where, it, where it's like, it's not necessarily the like the physical grossness. It's like the psychological idea of like Benny is like a fucking like. Yeah. Yeah, this dude is nuts. Like he is like off of his fucking rocker.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. he's talking to Alfredo. He's hearing Elita sing frequently. Yeah, like
3: mockingly. Yeah,
0: should should be said quickly. Maybe this was, should have been not a junk drawer throat, But a lot of people have pointed out that a lot of the the characterization of Benny in this film is like very likely kind of autobiographical uh, from Peck and Paw. Not hmm. maybe the carrying a head across uh countryside park, but the, the descent into like alcoholism and mania and whatnot. I mean, a lot of people pointed out that Peckinpah was like a very large alcoholic that helped contribute to his death at I think 59. I mean, quite young. Right. Um, Sadly, and- it was
3: William Ted that he was carrying around. So, yes. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, a lot of people pointed out that this film is like, it, I think especially the the films from, like, this period of his career were, like, largely marked by him, like, kind of having breakdowns and, like, not not very – seeming very disturbed during, like, interviews and, like, press events and things like that. So a lot of people said that, like, this film was, like, his most autobiographical film. I don't know how true that is, but mm-hmm. – uh, doesn't seem great
1: but he uh but even if it's like in his top two or three autobiographical films it's still pretty
0: it's yeah pretty to have if you were, it, if it, if you were gonna all what, resemble your life what what is the movie that would be the best autobiographical film you know what i mean like um, it was like you know cross of iron no, not a Peckinpah. Just in general, I don't think oh, Peckinpah is okay. any good. I don't think- What's a movie where just good stuff happens for for two hours? I would be that
3: one British guy in Love Actually, and like his whole plot is that he goes sure. to America thinking he's going to get laid, and then he immediately goes to like a frat house, and there are just like sixteen
0: <laughs>
1: beautiful women that all sleep with him. That would be all sure. right.
0: That's- okay, that, that's the autobiographical, uh-huh. but just for that character, yeah. I
1: I would want to be Bill Nye in Love Actually because I want to feel it in my fingers and in my toes. Cody, please.
2: What uh, we're it's just my picking? My prompt, bud. I, any, Cody any wants move? to be the, the little
3: would... drummer boy from
2: Love Actually, right? Oh, we've said picking, that before. But what character from, Dr- <laughs> from <Little> Dr- <laughs> <laughs> What character from Love Actually are we? Is that is that the new prompt? Sure. Yeah, on? if you could pick <laughs> yeah. one character, for, I, I sure. Love actually, I'm just being. Uh, I, w- I would be I would be the little kid, but in the the extended version because there are deleted scenes in Love Actually where that um, that kid who plays Jojen Reed in oh. Game of Thrones does like gymnastics through the airport. Wow. I feel like doing g- being able to do gymnastics in the airport would be pretty cool and fun.
1: That'd I be, be pretty nice. Like
0: Seen the Love Actually deleted scenes? <laughs> like, I don't
1: know. Uh,
2: there are
0: some questions but you know, like that the Deep war, You bought answered. like the art book. Yeah,
1: there's an. Yeah, I got the steel book. That lurks within each of us. Um, And I think Cody's is that he's seen these special deleted scenes edition of of Love Actually. Uh, But that's not what we're here to talk about. Maybe we'll have an episode about that someday, um, dear listener. Uh, We we have one final uh, segment before our final segment. It's called uh, "Good Grief for Giving a Gif." Um, we put out a gif with each episode. Uh, you'll see ones for our previous episodes of the last few weeks. Um, and I will ask the group now about shots you think could go well alongside some tweet copy when we promote this on Twitter. Uh, Aaron, any shots that stuck out to you, my man?
0: Yes, uh, terribly bad one to actually use uh, to promote the episode, but the little kid playing with a gun at the end, just because Peck and Paw is just gonna Peck and Paw. Peck and Paw loves pointing out that wow kids might pick up some of this violence
1: folks (laughs) kids might pick up a gun someday
0: (laughs) yeah uh that or yeah or the the conflation of the fireworks with the the gunshots that's all that's Mm. a just a classic Classic. classic yeah that is good classic
1: Yeah. yeah um harry
3: uh, I think that the scene where he goes to get the ice and, and there's just like this still shot that that goes on for like 30 seconds of him breaking the ice apart with an ice pick like as angly as possible. And he's sort of like he like drops a piece of the ice at one point and he's like, ah, shit, he like has to pick it back up. It's just like that as a scene punctuation right before it cuts to the next scene. And you know what he's using the ice for is like one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me, um, unfortunately. And then I think also just like the, the three second clip of like the first time he gets the head and he just throws it so bodily through the passenger side window of his car. Uh, And it just like, you can hear it like thump around like six times. Um, That's really great too.
1: I loved it. Um, Mine's going to have a head in it, but I want to know what Cody's would.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. I I preemptively unmuted. I should have realized that you, could have gone third if you wanted to, Jason. Uh, I was definitely going to offer up the the shot where he not only pours tequila or whatever it is on his crotch, but then he does an awkward waddle out of the room using a bedsheet as kind of a makeshift diaper. Uh, that Who was, was really fun. We've, We've done yeah. that. We've all Been done there. that maneuver. Yeah. Windows times. open.
0: It's like I'm just grabbing anything to just walk yeah. through this hallway.
2: Yeah, Right. Yeah. This very morning, in fact. Uh, otherwise, if we wanted something more wholesome, it's the, uh, the scene after oh god after uh benny fires the gun outside of uh or like he, he and alita are driving he fires his gun wildly and then there's just like a a 10 second shot of alita playing guitar the camera's right in front of the car it's it's very nice it's like just before all the the bad awful shit happens um but that was a nice moment of tranquility
1: for for those two she does a have beautiful
3: a- wholesome road movie bring me the head of alfredo yeah. Garcia.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think mine is going to have the head in it. Any one where like the camera is shooting, uh, sort of down into the passenger seat, but past, uh, Warren Oates, face where he's just sort of grumbling and calling him a son of a bitch and uh, like just denigrating him at every time. Damn
3: your eyes. It's so, it's
1: so fun. Like again, in isolation, very fucking funny that he, that they like scripted this shit to happen and that he plays it so fucking well. Like he, it really is the most Warren Oates, the role I've ever seen, uh, I, I, I love that um, there is uh, I, there, there's one shot I was talking about where they're both it's in that scene where they're leaning up against the tree by the side of the road and it goes from like sort of a japing joking fun cute little scene to like legitimately tragic and depressing where uh, she goads him into asking to marry her and she never responds, but they're just looking in the same direction and saying the same thing more or less, but sort of talking past each other, obviously not talking about each other. We covered how they don't really like have any magnetism to each other. That it's not really like anything that they see in each other. That scene reminds me
3: of Wanda. It's so bleak.
1: Oh my goodness. Check out our episode on Wanda. If you have, quite. i think that's Sound the like, second episode well, of the podcast was, it was it was in the single digits for sure um yeah thank you so much everybody for your gifts uh, i'll be making those when i get a digital copy of this movie and if i don't hey forget this section never happened uh, but you know what did always happen is uh the final segment of our show which harry needs to ring in with us
3: yes thank you
2: it's the segment we like to call
1: <gasps> cody's, <gasps> cody's Noodies.
2: wow Thank you gentlemen that introduction really put you guys ahead. Uh this week we've got another yet another installment of Trilibs which for those unfamiliar is our attempt at recreating, reimagining, reworking the world famous game known as Madlibs where you take a story that has some blanks that need to be filled in with various parts of speech. You don't necessarily know what uh you know what those blanks are going to be pointing towards what the story is going to be about which makes For a fun little thing to share with your friends, whoever's participating. Uh, Today I'm participating in this uh, with you fine gentlemen. So uh, we've got ourselves a story somewhat inspired by the movie that we just finished talking about. So in the randomly selected order of Jason, Harry, Aaron, and then going forth in a loop for as long as we need to, we'll go ahead... Fill in these blanks, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. And we'll start, like we said, with Jason. Jason, from you, can I please get a name? Um, Byron. Byron. Uh, and as I fill that in in a few places, spoilers, uh, how'd you land on Byron? Do you know any Byrons out there that you want to give a shout-out to?
1: Uh, Lord Byron. My, my, my man, Lord Byron. Sure, why
2: not? Uh, well, that's yeah. Shout should we, should we keep vamping? No, no, we're good. Uh, over to Harry. Harry, from you, can I get a a type of job or, or occupation?
3: Um, um, landed gentry. That's not a job, but that's the opposite of a job. No, but that's, yeah, that's fine. A, a landed gentry. Me. Yeah, like a okay. lord.
2: Oh. All right, I. You know what? I'm gonna add that beautiful uh, Aaron over to you. Can I please get a, mu- a t- type of musical instrument? Tuba. Interesting. Perfect. As I fill that in in 80 different places, uh, any tubas you want to give a shout out to? Cool. Uh, sorry. To- sorry. What was it? <laughs> Uh, over no, thank you. Uh, Tube is good to go. Over to Jason. Can I please get the name of a city? Um,
1: Saint
2: Paul. Roger, dodger. Uh, I was going to say, not to tip my hand too much, but I think Byron is a small city in uh, Minnesota close oh to my no. hometown. That could have been funny, but I've already etched St. Paul into no. the concrete slab in a mountain somewhere. Uh, but that's fine. Over to Harry. Harry, from you, can I please get a name? Oh, uh, uh, Chris. Chris. Uh, now, is that Chris spelled with a K. like... I was going to say, <gasps> yes, that was verbatim. My, uh, as I fill that in in a couple of places, any Chris's with a K you want to give a shout out to? Nope. Cool. Very nice. Over to Aaron. Aaron, from you, could I please get an adjective?
0: Let me look at my big list of adjectives that I pull please up do. every time He's got the we BLOA. do libs Mm, I, I will say that I, I, I typed in the search bar adjectives and the, the autocomplete was adjectives that start with R. That was the <laughs> one. It was like, that's the one nobody can. Uh, I will say right now, I think delightful is uh, uh,
2: striking me. Yeah. Hey, pretty good adjective, IMO. Uh, over to Jason from you. Can I please get an adjective? I'll wait as you pull out your big old list of adjectives that you always pull out. Briny. briny off the dome briny off the dome to each their own uh thank you for that over back to um to harry sorry i had to suffice a a coffee burp harry from you could i please get a number 69 (laughs) interesting (laughs) as i plug that into a few hundred different places any 69s out there you want to give a shout out to
3: no i don't
1: last one's
2: always the best one baby you don't
3: need to answer that harry i don't uh all right. Well, hey, fair enough.
2: Uh, my my to- lawyer has
3: advised me, advise me not to answer any questions at this
2: time. Ooh, nice. My a lot of lawyers <laughs> Yeah, uh, my last- popping into the background of this episode. <laughs> uh, pretty zesty. Speaking of zesty, over to Aaron. Aaron, from you, can I please get a name?
1: Um, Do you have the B-L-O-N in front of you?
0: Fucking Dave.
3: is it dave or fucking dave which one
0: (laughs) uh fucking dave just fucking dave
2: (laughs) fucking dave i'm gonna put three a's uh to help me remember the line reading if i get it wrong definitely call me out on it as we go but more on that later jason over to you can i please get a verb punt punt roger dodger (laughs) jason's Uh, killed it this time to be honest I mean, who knows? This might be about football and he might just be painting by numbers, which would be really boring. Um, but we'll find out. We don't know. Uh, we'll find out in a few seconds. Harry, can I get a noun from you, please? Buffalo. Buffalo. Perfect. Got that in. Uh, moving down the line. Aaron, from you, can I please get a body part? And then after that, could you please uh, speak the name of a body part for me?
0: Oh, um, never gets old.
2: Nice. Have, never gets old. Uh Nose, nose. Excellent. Moving down the line. Um, back to you, Jason. Can I please get uh, the name of a musical instrument?
1: Balalaika. It's a balalaika.
2: Balalaika. Hmm.
1: B A L A. Uh
2: huh. No one knows about your L-A. shit.
1: Bala, I K A. La, is
2: wow! Is that, is that really how it's right? spelled? B A L A L A I K A. Wow! Amazing, Balalaika. balalaika. Wow. Okay. Dang! Look at me sight reading, but with spelling words. That's man. You should host a, a music podcast. Over to Harry. Really? Harry, uh, can I please get a verb from you? Dribble.
1: Ooh, Ew-wee
2: Sports basketball, Aaron. Over to you. Can I please get an emotion from you? I'm not going to do the joke again. Uh, fear, fear, excellent.
1: Disappointment.
2: <laughs> uh, no, but no. You know. Can you speak an emotion? Is, is what I meant. Is yes, okay. Hey. Right. Going back to the old well, uh, back to you, Jason. Can I <laughs> please get, uh, oh, wait, did I already hold on? Uh, a verb. A verb is what I need from you. Um, slice. Excellent. Uh, do you have any preferred slices? Um, apple slices. My next uh, slice orange a slice. The soda pizza, baby, cowabunga. Nice. Uh, shout out to Little Caesars. They do not get have ad space uh, on this podcast, but they should and could. Uh, and we're moving along. Harry, over to you. Can I please get a weapon? Type weapon. Ooh, a dirk.
1: Ooh, I, I'm going to Google that dirk. Hold on, I got to yeah. Google something. D yeah. I R K. Yeah,
2: knife. Yeah, I never thought of basketball legend Nowitzki as a weapon, but he was lethal from the perimeter. So uh, much to be considered there. Aaron, over to you. Can I please get a number? Uh, zero. Brilliant uh Jason a noun we've just got a couple more here
1: thesis i'm thinking i'm imagining honestly I, here here's here's the synaptic connections just the neurons mm-hmm. that fired dirt please i googled it it looks like exactly the kind of knife you would like jam through a note on a wall or on a door and i was like yeah. what is the yeah, last definitely. what is what is the pre- what is the preeminent example of a note stuck to a wall or a door right it's martin luther's 95 theses of course i was gonna so, say
3: yeah martin luther
0: of course, <laughs> 90,
1: just, course. just one just yes. one thesis for today thank you
0: this is, a, nice. this is a good point but the the Dirk is unfortunately a scottish weapon and they can't read or
2: write so <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, in the short term i think we'll see our metrics from that particular area of the country shoot up <laughs> as oh. uh and then it'll go right back down i'll be uh, murdered yes yeah, but you know what's not going down. My interest in what Harry picks for this next prompt, which is uh, any Spanish word. Can I get a Spanish word? Uh, Incantando. In and what does that mean again, Harry? I think it means enchanted, right? I don't know. You tell me. You're the you're the savant. You're the the linguist over here. I don't uh, speak I, Spanish. Thank you. Yeah, well, hey, I uh, was you, wondering which one me. of
3: these is going to make me feel embarrassed. I was going to uh, say, uh, and we not, almost got through it.
1: He's not touching this bit with a 49 and a half
2: football. <laughs> <laughs> and last I should have just said least, Cerveza. I know that one. <laughs> hey, dun, 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 dun. And last but not least, Aaron, can you please give me the name of a movie? John Wick Four. Yes. Um, is it? Is it John? Shit. Is it Chapter Four? <laughs> it what, is yeah, what's true. the title <laughs> I, said again? John, I said John Wick Chap, okay. Four.
1: Chapter Four. That's it. John Wick Four. Okay. John, okay. Oh, John, John okay. okay. We're being descriptivist right. in here, huh? Okay. Okay. Mm, all of a sudden, the hit the It's a new, four. It's, a new right. it's a new mode for us.
2: Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, and doing uh, just a quick scan of this, I think we hit on all of them. Thank you so much for your participation. Without further ado, I present to you all here and those who may be listening, trilibs. Presented by Peckinpah. <clears throat> Once upon a time, Byron, a retired landed gentry like a lord, spent his nights playing the tuba in a dive bar just outside of St. Paul. One evening, two hitmen entered Byron's establishment asking around for the location of a person named Chris. Chris. Playing it delightfully, uh, Byron engaged in conversation with the men, and for reasons left briny, he became tasked with tracking down Chris in exchange for a reward of $69. Nice. Unbeknownst to the gentleman, Byron knew Chris, and furthermore, Byron's partner, fucking Dave, had been... (laughs) had been punting chris on the sly Mm, hubba hubba chris had recently perished as a result of a buffalo accident r.i.p and so byron and fucking dave set out to retrieve chris's nose to serve as evidence of the demise they encountered obstacles along the way and after overcoming two letras balalaika playing wanderers (laughs) byron and fucking dave found themselves at chris's grave However, they were suddenly dribbled by opposing fortune seekers, and when Byron regained consciousness, they found fucking Dave had been fucking killed. Fearful, uh, Byron set out to reclaim the nose and slice his revenge using his newly acquired Dirk. Byron murdered zero men and acquired the nose. Wanting to know the reason for all of this thesis taking place, Byron brought the nose to the crime lord known only as El Encantanto. It turned out Chris had spoken poorly about El Encantanto's favorite film. So to smooth things over, Byron used the reward money to put on a free screening
1: of John Wick 4 for the local community. The end. My fa- my, I, I got to say, my favorite thing about uh, Trilibs, never know how it's going to end. Each of these has such a distinct...
2: It's always a little something different.
1: Always Agreed. a little something I like different. Too. Always something different. Thank you, much. I'm
2: Curry. proud of
3: Byron for not giving into his murderous instincts and uh, not showing anybody. Mm-hmm, Good for true. him.
1: Zero people. Uh, RIP to fucking Dave. No, it was Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah, f- fucking, Dave. fucking Dave was fucking killed. That's right. No, That's he.
3: Right. yeah, he died. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris is already dead.
2: Fucking Dave got killed. Yeah, there's just man, a heavy body count in this. Rest. He got dribbled. Trilips. Yeah, rest
1: in fucking yeah, peace. Yeah, dribbled.
2: He got put on a poster.
1: Hmm. Uh, a wanted poster. Wanted dead. Thank you so much for uh, ending our shows with another episode e- edition of Cody's Noties. Uh, check out every other edition uh, since, like I don't know, episode. It, it was just before the pandemic that we started these, or maybe just after. Um. Anyway.
2: Yeah, I remember one day I I had like a week where I couldn't attend because I was busy that day or that recording or whatever it was, and I came back, and then all of a sudden. You two do the sister sister theme singing Cody's noties. (laughs) It was like, well, I guess this is a a thing now. It's been it's been bliss ever since.
1: Thank you for making me do this. We uh, we we'd never had have it any other way. Uh, If I could go back and re-record our old episodes and add in a Cody's noties, I would. Uh, We could.
3: Yeah, we we could do that. Uh, (laughs) No, it's simply impossible. There's no way.
1: Technology will not permit it. Sheesh. Thank you, listener, for paying attention to another episode of Trial of. I'm uh, not allowed to say the names of the um, movie before we uh, start talking about the episode. So I just want to drop once again um, pieces at Parasphere called Scent, Sense, and Senselessness in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and uh, Head's Tale, The Emotional Journey of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia on parasphere.org, the Trilon blog. What?
0: Man, you you could you could probably plug the stuff. I wouldn't. I'm not. Well, I don't think we'd, do be, too, we'd be too. We'd be too. Again, you know that to, in order to click
3: on this episode, they do have to see the name of the movie. Listen, so th- it's not a, like a spoiler to type. I mean, in. I Listen. do
0: like the bit of, of beating Jason's ass if he does it, but but for plugging, I was the Vera, only Paris
1: person who ever has had his ass beaten for doing it. Do you think anyway. I'm ready to be next? I'm not yeah. lining up with my cheeks out. You say next
0: time I see I see Jason, I need to just just start wall if you
1: just, if you can if you can ever beat me in fucking... an arm wrestle maybe you could try it buddy check out oh, more episodes yeah. of trilove love and check out Trilon.org for cool movies that play there uh, this is playing as part of a series on the movies of san peckinpah check it out there are a few more left in the series we'll be covering as many as we can uh, but also there's a maggie chung series going to be going on um, there's so much more at the trilon to check out both series and non check them out check out our feed uh, find us on Twitter at Trial Podcast find the Trial at Trial and Cinema and at Trial on.org find Jason Daphnis at Nintendoofus that's right
2: uh, I've been Cody Narvison you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH I've been Harry Mack and you can find me on Twitter at Shataki Harry
0: I'm Aaron catch me again at a park do not go outside just experience the beauty of nature folks
2: listen the church cuts off the feet fingers any other goddamn thing from the saints don't they What the hell? Alfredo's our saint. He's the saint of our money, and I'm gonna borrow a piece of him. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> good night i love you still still technically recording here we tardes. just keep just keep talking about it Mama i think mia. the 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 to be to be to be fair uh the, i believe the the hands and whatnot of the ch- the saints that the church would use